Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we'll hear from Craig Rowe, defensive end for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How is his team responding at practice from that bad loss in Toronto? What's his pregame meal ritual? And why is he starting an app to help out young kids, giving them tips on how to be a better football player? Also, the replay booth. Jeff Braun and I, every other week, we review an old sports movie. This one, 20 years old. For love of the game, it's another Costner flick. Our thoughts on the podcast. 7.30 p.m. Thursday. Calgary Stampeders come to town. And as we've been doing this season, two days before, about 48 hours before, having players from the team on the show. And tonight's guest is defensive end Craig Rowe. Craig, welcome to the CGB Sports Show. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Good. What's the, I'm curious, coming off a loss like the one you had in Toronto, what was the expectation you had for the team in practice the last couple of days, and did it meet that expectation? Yeah, I think the expectation is to, to come back, to learn from the mistakes that we've made, and be able to come back and work our tails off to get a, a W under, under our belt. And I definitely think the guys, I mean, really in and out every week, um, you know, this team's very special in that. Uh, the guys come to work every single day, and there's a great group of guys. And um, honestly, I, I don't really think that changes much, you know, whether we win or lose that week. The guys are always coming in and, and working really hard. When that game started to get closer from 20 to nothing to 20 to 10, and then Toronto eventually tying it, does the mood on the sideline change? Yeah, well, I think you have, uh, you know, inevitably there's parts of it where, yeah, you know, you wish you would, uh, you know, score more or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, you know that you're you're here because, you know, you need to do your job. And that's what every guy on this team, you know, realizes. And so, um, you know, we we battled it out there and, and, you know, just didn't come up victorious. Now you've been in this league a number of years. You know the... I guess the gold standard right now is the Calgary Stampeders. When they come to town, when you play them, is it different than playing in most of the other teams? I wouldn't say it's different, just the the stakes are different. You know that if you want a good chance of winning the Grey Cup, you got to beat Calgary, and you got to bring your A game with them. It doesn't really matter who's in there, as they've proved. Uh, they got a great system, great coaching, great players, and you know they're always going to bring it. And so this week, even though they have you know a backup quarterback, Nick Arbuckle, he's done a great job. You both come in five and two. I know it's early August, but does the fact that the winner takes first place at least for now mean anything? Oh yeah, well it, any win is uh, a huge boost uh, to what we're trying to do. It gets us one step closer to our ultimate goal of a, of a great cup. And um, yeah, if we can take that first place spot, that, that means a lot to the guys uh, on the team here. Do you hear outside noise when you lose a game? Uh, yeah, but I, I think most guys try to not pay attention to it. <laughs> I mean, you have, uh, uh, you know, guys are inevitably looking at social media and whatnot. And, you know, you get in your notifications, but uh, you know, we really try to stay distraction free from that sort of stuff. So this is now your second season in Winnipeg. How have you enjoyed the city itself outside of football? Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, the the wife and I have 
really made our home here, and it's it's a place where uh, you're really one degree of separation from really anywhere in the city, and so it feels really like a, a, a really great community. Um, and you know, we just we just love the people here, love the environment here, and it, it's just been awesome. How different is it from Scottsdale, Arizona? Uh, well, it's cooler than Scottsdale, yeah. Arizona. <laughs> yes, it is. You're not exactly getting negative 40 days in Arizona. So have you been here in the winter too then, year round? Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're true Winnipegers now. We've been here through a, a Winnipeg winter. Uh, and and it, it is bad, uh, but we didn't think it was unlivable. Uh, we just kept telling ourselves that, you know, there's like a whole city here. You know, people have to be able to survive this. Yeah, we, we've managed to, to tough it out, so you can do it too, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you, the, the nose hairs just freeze a little bit, and your uh, your chest hurts a little bit when you're breathing on those negative 40 days. I find that you have to embrace winter in order to survive it here. So I try to get out as much as I can, go skating and whatnot. Do you, I, can you ice skate? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not even sure now. The last time I ice skated was probably fifth grade. Mm. <laughs> it's been a while. So you would have been in Arizona when the Jets moved to Phoenix. Uh, no, I actually believe that it was the, and, and maybe I'm just not recollecting this correctly, but I believe it was the Coyotes since I can remember. Yeah. Um, no, but the Jets moved to Phoenix and became the Coyotes. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you were, so I guess you, you grew up with a hockey team that uh, people in this city lost. So it's kind of weird that that full circle happened that you're here now. Well, in the, the fact that uh, in Arizona, it, you know, it gets uh, really, really hot <laughs> and Winnipeg, who is, you know, avid for their hockey, loses that hockey team. You know, it's, it's kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. But it's all good now that the team is back. So back to your, your football now. I've noticed on your Twitter feed, you're doing a lot of sharing of uh, just little tips for younger players. Explain that. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually uh, starting an app, uh, Pro Play, where uh, pros like myself um, share tips on what's made them great. And, you know, I found that there's really not a lot of content out there and a lot of pros out there who are posting, you know, tips like like I'm posting right now that, that can help, you know, aspiring athletes achieve their goals. And so this is something that, you know, I've put a, a little bit into here and we're starting to get um, more pros onto the app as well. Uh, you know, I was just texting Travis Lule. He's wanting to come on. Adam Big Hill said uh, he's wanting to post some tips as well. So yeah, we're, we're making a push to uh, democratize uh, private coaching and the knowledge that we have. Because it is an expensive industry. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen that, you know, with private coaching, what it's, you know, 20 to 40 bucks a session and, you know, you want to go to a camp, it's in the, it's in the hundreds. And so I think that's really a disservice to a lot of aspiring athletes. And I, I want them to be able to, you know, get the information they need to uh, get to the next level. And why is that important to you to give back? Uh, well, honestly, well, one, I, I have a, uh, you know, real enthusiasm for how technology can um, really help the world. And, and honestly, I've been given so much from so many great coaches. And I just thought, you know, if I had, if I had been in contact with that coach sooner, 
I'd be, you know, even at a higher level with my with my gameplay or could have achieved goals sooner. And so it's a lot of that um, where I want to bring these same people who have helped me so much and and help you know the youth and the aspiring athletes achieve their goals faster. And what's the feedback been since you started posting these vi- little videos online? Yeah, no, I mean, they've been getting a bunch of views and, and we're kind of figuring out the uh, the fundamental features that everyone wants in the app. But, you know, it's been generally pretty good, but I think we're, we're iterating on it and, and really trying to make something that people love. Finally, Craig, I'm just curious, what does a typical game day look like for you? Do you eat any special meal? Is there a specific routine you got to follow? Yeah, well, I, I usually have, uh, you know, scrambled eggs in the morning, then Qdoba at lunch, uh, and then I'll get a, uh, a Pellegrino and a Red Bull, uh, and I'll drink the Red Bull uh, basically right before the game and then have the Pellegrino for, for halftime. That, that's the Scottsdale coming out in me. I'm a little <laughs> pretentious with the Pellegrino. <laughs> so what time of day do you have the Qdoba? Uh, I have it around 1. Okay. Yeah. So you're hungry by the time the game starts. Yeah, I, I don't really want a, a lot on my uh, on my stomach there because uh, things can get a, a little explosive mm-hmm. if I if I eat the uh, Qdoba uh, too near the game time. Absolutely. But uh, so I guess right after the game, then you chow down. Oh yeah, I usually get a pizza. <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 cheat time after after the game. I get ice cream and pizza and. Uh, usually Adam Big Hill and myself are, are chopping on some uh, some half-baked ice cream and, uh, and a large pizza. And it tastes a little better when you win, right? Oh, always. <laughs> well, Craig, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining me, and good luck on Thursday. Great. Thank you. Uh, if you're not familiar with the concept of our replay booth, I explain it every week. Jeff Braun, who is a huge movie buff, and me, a big sports buff, combine our knowledges into watching sports movies. Today is the 21st sports movie in the replay booth. We decided to make cursory lists ranking our favorites so far. I'm not going to share that with you yet. We're going to aggregate them and try to come up with a, a common top movie. I think our bottom of our lists are pretty similar. And uh, tonight's movie is for love of the game. And safe to say, it is not near the top of our list. All right, the summer of Kevin Costner continues in the replay booth. The fourth movie he's been in and the third baseball movie. It's the last baseball movie. I think so. The reason I brought this up when we thought about what movie we're going to do this week was because Kevin Costner was on Bill Simmons podcast a couple weeks ago they're talking about this movie and I thought oh I I didn't know about this one yeah for love of the game not for the love of the game it's for love of the game that has irritated me for 20 years (laughs) when it came out I was not watching Kevin Costner movies at the time but I was like oh I hate that title it's still a dumb title well and so this movie is 20 years old every sports movie has the big game right yep they get into the big game within 10 minutes in this film. There's one game. And it's I, one game. Yeah. So to set the table, for those who haven't seen it, 
He, uh, Kevin Costner plays Billy Chappell, who's a 40-year-old pitcher. He's played for the Tigers for 19 years, Hall of Fame career, but the team is just about to be sold, and they want to trade him so he could go out on a high note here. Last game of his season at Yankee Stadium means nothing for the Tigers who are out of the playoff race. The Yankees could clinch the division that game with a win. So that And that happens every year in baseball. The last few games often mean nothing to one team and everything to another. Right. And so they... They also they, had a game the next day. He yeah. just wouldn't be pitching in it. Right. So the Yankees hypothetically clinch the division the next day. And so he goes out there. What's he got? His arms sore. And all of a sudden, oh, he's got he's got a pretty good start going. Uh-oh. But they intersperse this perfect game with memories of teammates that he used to play with, of his parents, but mainly... His love interest, Jane. It's structured like Slumdog Millionaire, except that instead of each question triggering some life event that leads him to the right answer, they keep showing little things on the mound that trigger a memory with love and Jane. Jane Aubrey with her... uh, Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston with her L article, Sense and Sensibility. S-C-E-N-T-S. Yes. Yeah. And he met her five years ago, and the timing with that kid in the movie does not track. That kid starts as a kid and ends up in college in five years. Well, like, it may have, well it, no, she could have been junior? 14. She could have been 13, 14 uh, running away from home. Like, I guess it's the same actress. Yeah. It just seemed like she was like 12. Tops. Eh, whatever. Her first appearance. That that's, not, that's not my biggest qualm with that this film. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he meets this woman at the side of the road. Her rental broke down. He fixes it, doesn't know how, and then... Uh, Herc from The Wire comes by with a tow truck. Would you like to go to a baseball game with me? Billy, if she don't want to go, I'll go. Don't let that happen. The love story part of this ruins it for me. And I know we've, you know, a lot of these baseball, sports, golf movies have been, you know, part love story, part sports movie. I thought the baseball part of this was was really, really well done. Yeah. And so Vin Scully and Steve Lyons are doing the play-by-play. And you know, Steve, you get the feeling that Billy Chappell isn't pitching against left-handers. He isn't pitching against pinch hitters. He isn't pitching against the Yankees. He's pitching against time. He's pitching against the future, against age. And the coolest thing about this is how they interspersed, you know, movie footage, nice HD with what is like TV standard deaf broadcast. They've got the score yeah. bug in the top corner. Yep. The f- it's not good quality because it's 1999, but it made it feel more real. Oh, absolutely. And I guess they actually just got like a TV truck and crew and just like, like a regular game, set it all up. Yeah. Rolling on everything and we'll yeah. put it in the movie. Yeah. yeah that I like was that. awesome. The baseball, I thought, like the note I wrote at the end was, this movie's two hours and 17 minutes long, which is insane. Yeah. It's a little it, long. Shorten it. Beef up the love story, and you've got an all-timer. I, I, and I'd still, I'll have, if it's on TV, I'll put it on while I'm doing other stuff, and whenever the baseball scenes come on, I'll check it. Right. Had you seen this before? I had not seen this okay. before. I'd, like I said, I'd heard the title before and dismissed <laughs> it immediately. I was, are we doing spoilers? Gee, spoiler alert. Uh, he wins. He gets the perfect game. Yeah. And I was on the edge of my seat for that. And even when you think about his career against ending. And tonight, I think he might be able to use that aching old arm one more time to push the sun back up in the sky and give us one more day of summer. I realized afterwards that I was mostly glad that he got that perfect game because he had shot that 12 at the end of Tin Cup. <laughs> that was such a bummer. <laughs> and I was just like, thank God he got a, got a win in one of these sports Let me movies. tell you how I watched the end of this movie. So I, I was watching it flying back from Victoria last night. And right as he delivers the pitch to the kid, the announcement comes on. You need to put your uh, laptops oh, away and your stow your tables. That's amazing. I'm so I'm like, I ah, guess I'll have to wait. 
So yeah, but and at first I mean I it's thought, predictable. Like, it's predictable, right? You, well, you, I don't. I was sort of thinking, it's like, oh, is he going to give this kid an easy pitch just to because it's his first career at mm. bat and you know he's friends with his dad and he's going right. to let this kid start off hitting a home run off an all uh, Hall of Famer or whatever, right? But then, yeah, and then when he dribbled, when he hit the grounder, I was like, nope, this kid's out because. Now, at this point, it's not on Costner anymore to get that kid out. Right, and the defense made all the plays, which happens sometimes. It's usually one key defensive play in a perfect game or a lot of no-hitters that saves it. Yeah. Do they mention perfect games? Uh, I thought it's – isn't it the thing where they have to – is it like if you say it, you jinx it? Well, it, like, some people believe if, that. Vince Scully doesn't – I mean, Vince Scully is one of the greatest announcers right, in the yeah. history of sports. And he was saying it, and I was like, oh, should he be saying it? And I was like, you know, if he shouldn't be saying it, this guy would have told them on set, I'm not saying that because it wouldn't happen. Right, but Vince, so Scully's, okay. Vince Scully, some announcers look at it differently. I wrote down really early in the game that John C. Riley's character is going to score the only run. Really? I figured. He's got, he got in the game, he can't get a hit, he finally gets on That's base true. and scores the run. They don't really introduce anyone else on the team. Right. So that makes sense. I, I, that Except for the be. outfielder that had a ball go boop over his head that into the stands, and of course yeah. he makes the great catch. Yeah. But I, I thought they should have introduced the specter of a possible no-hitter earlier. Mm. Like, it's the seventh inning before they well, even talk. It's pretty like early the, on you figure out that this is going to be his last start. That's why he's yeah. having all these memories and all this but hesitation. I just and, a win. I didn't think a no-hitter. You know what I mean? Like, in the third inning, somebody should have said, hey, you're That's on, a crappy movie, though, if he pitches a, seven innings, gives up one run on four hits. It's a movie. Make it, I guess so. There's I only, just, there's it's only just, been a couple, like, there's been less than two dozen perfect games in the history of baseball. That's why I thought they might go for something more realistic than Yeah, guy. it's a movie, though. It's true. I enjoy, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying it seemed like it, that just came out of nowhere, that notion. They and planted it in the but audience. But they were setting earlier. it up. They were setting it up so that he has the perfect game but doesn't enjoy it because his woman isn't there. That's right. I find it hard to believe that he goes back to the hotel. You have zero messages after a perfect game to end your career. Come on. But no. But he's checked in under some weird name. Nobody yeah, can get at him. I guess that might, might be it. So, I'm yeah, surprised the, the, the... And fully licensed, too. Airport bar patron didn't get... Is like somebody didn't punch him or something like that. <laughs> He's just rhyming off names. He's just an annoying bar guy. Yep. But apparently George Steinbrenner wasn't too happy about this filming in Yankee Stadium with the Yankees losing. But Kevin Costner's like, yo, it's fine. Let's just The game means nothing. They win the division the next day. And They're once, going to win the World Series. And in 1999, they did win the World Series, and George Steinbrenner gave Kevin Costner a ring. There you go. And once Steinbrenner saw the check that the Hollywood gave him, I'm sure he was fine with him. So, yeah, the baseball part was great. The love story, it was not, not so good. much. It was not great. It was interesting, or it could have, but it could have been better. And like I said, this movie's just way too long. They could have chopped out so much of it. Uh, some other stuff I like. They use Bob Seger's Against the Wind. That's one of my all-time favorites, okay. and that always works in a movie. Okay. They had the first family night with that he has with uh, what Kelly Preston and the kid Jane and Heather. They're playing Monopoly, and he's smoking a cigar. I guess with he's the trying to be the Monopoly man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like smoking a cigar inside the house. With it's ninety nine. With a, with a little kid there, people smoked in where. Very, yeah, very different ways. You know that. That's weird. But the, but the guy couldn't smoke in the airport bar. That's true. It's like, come on, you can't go one way and not the other. Uh, there were some, this is going to, I'll put on the tinfoil hat. There were some like 9-11 imagery in this. The It was the on his alarm clock, it said 9-11 when the Gus called to wake him up at the beginning. And then later on, they showed a shot of the Twin Towers with Kelly Preston voiceover. One of the many questions she asked, she said, would you still love me if I got burned in a fire? Oh, and I was no. like, and this was two years before, and I was just like, oh my God, it was just the eeriest thing. You have, a, have you been listening to Coast to Coast? No, it's just it's just one of those weird, eerie things that just caught my attention. Apparently, this, this movie didn't do well at the box office. It didn't make its budget. It did not get reviewed well at all. 
Kevin Costner got a golden raspberry for, I really? guess, works actor for this performance. I thought he was good in it. As a pitcher, and I, I heard on the podcast with Bill Simmons that he was pitching basically 200 pitches a day for 18 straight days. That can't be good. No. So uh, he talked to the Yankees trainer and got a bunch of steroids to help him with that because <laughs> it was 99. This was steroids. Yeah. Actually, right. I mean, the movie came out in 99, so they would have filmed it in 98. Yep. That is the heart of the Maguire Sosa steroid home run chase, right? So the guy knew where to get it, and it's not yeah. illegal for a Hollywood actor to. No, the they're not. They're not testing his pee. That's true. I would hope not. <laughs> he was pretty bad to Jane emotionally, in many ways, putting baseball above her, and but yeah. they always end up back together. Yeah, they, learn, they both learn their lesson at the end, whatever lesson they had to learn. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Well, it helped that he retired. <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm just going to go to London now. It's the day after a perfect game. He's just walking into an empty airport and no one's talking to him. Yeah, it was weird. That was- I don't know. But I, I I do think that it there there's – even with just editing, there's a great movie in there somewhere. But mm-hmm. there was just – and it's that thing. And I think the 99 of it all, honest to God, I was trying to think of this because later this week on the Couch Potatoes, I'm going to lay into Hobbs and Shaw for being too long. I think it started in, in the 80s. None of the movies were over two hours, period, unless you were some – Weird epic thing like Goodfellas or Costner's Dancing with Wolves, whatever. But then in 94, you had Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, and The Shawshank Redemption. They're all almost two and a half hours long or longer. And they all, you know, gain massive audiences. And then in 97, you had Titanic, which is three hours long. And then I think since then, everyone's just decided. You get hung up a lot of length. A movie can be as long as it wants. Well, because it's unnecessary. Because they could, you could easily cut half an hour out of this movie and tell the same story. That's true. And it would be much more pleasurable to watch. Okay. A couple uh, quick rapid fire things. The two, the parents waving to him from the World Series. His actual parents? His actual parents. Nice. Yes. The Yankees team was made up mainly of minor leaguers from the Yankees organization. And the stats they had for baseball movies. And the stats they had for their fake names were actually There's real player stats that they just kind of substituted in. That's funny. J.K. Simmons, big Tigers fan in real life. Oh, that helps. So that would have been a big thrill for him. Yeah, a few thousand extras, a lot of cardboard cutouts. Oh, I'd like to go back and look now and see if I can spot any. And uh, Probably the, just for one, the long shots. one of the big, I guess, flaws of this that people pointed out on the internet is that if you've been with a team, if you've been in the league for over 10 years and you've been over five with your t- current team, you can block a trade. Oh, really? So he would have been able to block any trade to the San Francisco Giants. Interesting. But that's that's it. So ultimately, what's your what's your score for this one? Ultimately, I will give this seven cigars out of ten. I'll give it six torn shoulder muscles out of ten. <laughs> Can you imagine throwing 200 pitches a day for 18 days? And he was throwing 84 miles an hour as a 40-year-old actor. I'm surprised he didn't need surgery after that. Anyway, I think our summer of Costner is almost over. Running out of Costner films, which isn't the worst thing. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? 